You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, a very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech podcast, where every week we bring you everything that is fun, innovative, and exciting in the digital procurement space. This week, I'm doing a quick solo episode because I wanted to bring you 10 key criteria that you should consider when sourcing or considering a digital procurement solution. Because a lot of the best of lists and a lot of the white papers out there don't really cover this, surprisingly, in my opinion. So what I'm going to do is just run through 10 things that I think you definitely need to have in your, uh, in your, in your evaluation process when you're doing any sort of RFP or tendering or even just observing, looking, meeting with solutions providers to get an idea of what is out there. So let's start off with number one and probably the obvious one, and that is cost. Or more specifically, what type of cost model do they use? So let me explain. If you're purchasing software as a service, which is most digital procurement tools, then usually they will either charge you uh, an unlimited user annual or monthly fee where you can add and have as many accounts uh, for that program or for that software as you want to, or they will charge you uh, on a per user basis or possibly a mixture of two and have more of a sort of modular cost structure. So depending on the size of your business and the number of users and how quickly you are likely to grow or need more people that are going to use this, if it's something that's priced on a per user basis, that's something that can get quite expensive very quickly if you assign a contract with a number of users in mind that you think you're going to have. And then obviously that number significantly increases over time. Something to consider perhaps if you're a, a high growth company, you may be a scale up in the tech sector. If you're a more established business, then that's probably not going to be uh, so much of a banana skin for you because you're going to have a pretty good idea of who needs to use it and what type of access they need. So number two is features. And by this, I mean, and I'm particularly talking about best of breeds here versus some of the the legacy suites, is less more. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, do you want it to do one thing very, very well? Or do you want it to be versatile and to be able to pick up and do other things with this piece of software over time? So if it's the latter, then you may want to consider a solution provider that has more of a modular structure that you can sort of add bits on 
as your procurement organization matures or as your digital journey progresses. Whereas if it's a very specific problem that you really want to laser focus down on, for example, contract lifecycle management or uh, supplier relationship management, then they're going to be better off for just going for a best of breed solution that tackles that problem especially well. So it's really all about, you know, starting with the end in mind and what do you think the end game is here? Is it just one specific problem that you need to fix? Or is it a little bit more fluid, the situation in your organization and you want to have a, a digital procurement uh, software that is a little bit more versatile and can grow with you if you need to add different modules or different features onto it? Number three is what is the amount of time and how much resource do you need for the implementation? So a lot of the big enterprise suites have you know, really complex implementations and often take months, sometimes years to plan and execute and implement. And not only that, you also need an army of consultants in some case, in some cases, to actually do the implementation. So if you're, especially if you're a mid-market business and you have a limited amount of IT resources, or even if you're considering going external to do the implementation and you've got a limited budget to throw at that in terms of IT consultancy, then you know one of the questions that you need to be asking of the providers is, give me an estimate of how long it takes to implement and how easy is it in terms of you know, connecting it up to existing systems that you have in place. For example, if, uh, if you need to connect it to your ERP system, then how easy or how complex will it be to do? How open is their interface? Now, most of these modern best-of-breed solutions have, uh, have modern APIs which really facilitate and speed up the time it takes to be able to get systems to talk to one another. But the problem with that is that ERP systems, a lot of the time, are built on a tech stack that is 20-plus years old in many cases. So they don't have that open ecosystem that a lot of these more nimble, best-of-breed SaaS tools have. So if it's communicating with other best-of-breed procurement tech tools or maybe legal tech or supply chain tech tools, uh, that's probably not going to be such a big problem. But if you need an ERP integration, then you may want to ask a few more questions of your provider uh, and maybe get them to give you some case studies of other customers that have integrated it successfully into something like SAP or Oracle or whatever system it is that you may be using. Number four, and I, I, I often think this one is much overlooked, but absolutely critical, and that is the user experience. So by this, I mean, how easy is it for your stakeholders to use? How easy is it for your suppliers to use if suppliers need access to it? And how easy is it for procurement practitioners to use? You know, I've been in a situation in my career where we've had uh, an e-sourcing tool that has been so complex to use that people, even in procurement, experienced procurement professionals just didn't use it because for the two or three times a year that they needed to do a structured, you know, pretty complex tender, they just didn't see it as being worth the hassle to to have to learn and figure out how to use this system and then also walk the suppliers through being able to register on it and get to grips with how everything works. 
So user experience and user interface, UI and UX for short, in my opinion, are absolutely critical because you know you want your users to adopt this. You want them to enjoy using it. You want it to be software that they actually like using rather than actively try to avoid using. So if you've got a system that's clunky and not easy to use, then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot from the offset. This is one of the success factors along with communication and change management, which is so often overlooked in the process of digitization. So make sure that whatever solution you choose, you get to see a really detailed demo and maybe even try and get trial access to it just for a, just, just for a couple of days, just to play around with it and to get the look and feel of how easy is it to access the key features in there uh, and how difficult is it to train users that may not be core users, but thinking now of things like P2P and contract management, but may need to have access and be able to navigate their way around the system. So number five is customer support. So this one is especially relevant for startups because with startups, often they're not going to have a global customer success team. So if you're based in Europe and you're considering sourcing a piece of software from a company that is based in San Francisco, then bear in mind that in most cases, you're probably not going to be able to get hold of their customer support team until quite late on in the afternoon. And if you've got a problem that's urgent and needs fixing, that may not be sufficient for you. So that's the one thing about customer support. The other one that I would mention is what type of customer support or customer success setup do they have? Do they have their own employees? Will they give you a dedicated customer success team member as a central point of contact? Or, you know, what's the actual absolute worst case scenario? What if they have a ticketing system and their customer support is done by an external company, which usually means you're probably not going to get the best level of service because they're just following then processes and procedures and scripts rather than having a real tacit, deep knowledge of what your problem is and how to fix it. So you definitely need to be asking some questions of what type of customer support they have in place. Number six is cybersecurity. This one, again, is often overlooked, but if you get your IT team involved early on, they will be valuable partners in navigating you through the questions that you need to ask of your ProcureTech vendors all about their cybersecurity requirements. There is an ISO certification, ISO 27001, which is all about cybersecurity. I have to be honest, I don't know the full ins and outs and details of what's in that, but it is an internationally recognized certification uh, around basic cybersecurity principles that have been adhered to for any companies that are granted that certification. So speak to your IT people, familiarize yourself at a, at, a, at a broad level with what's contained in ISO 27001. Uh, and yeah, just make sure that you incorporate that and, and, and have it as part of your scoring process in any RFP, because this one, especially as time goes on, I think is just going to be more and more important in terms of just protecting yourself from risks that could otherwise, to the best possible extent, be avoided. So number seven is solution maturity. 
how mature is the solution that you're considering? And there's no right or wrong answer to this because you know, you may have the philosophy that you want to work with a pretty early stage startup because that can mean that you can influence their product development and their features and you can grow with them as they become more prominent within the space. But at the same time, that will also mean that there may be some bugs in the system and it may not do everything that you want it to do. And, you know, you may not always get a really fast response if you've got a technical issue. So that, again, needs to be really part of your, at the beginning, before you go out to tender or before you start having meetings with solutions providers, one of the things that you really should align on internally within your organization is, do you want to partner with a startup and grow with them? Or do you want to establish a relationship with you know, a really stable stalwart in this space that's been around for a very long time and has gone through that sort of maturity and growth curve so as they can give you the best customer support and have the features already embedded in there and be continually uh, improving on their product rather than just trying to grow out their platform. No right or wrong answer there, but it's definitely a strategic consideration and discussion internally that I strongly recommend you do before you go out to tender. Hey, so just a quick interlude to let you know about procurementsoftware.site. This is a new website that I recently launched to give you, the listener, a free-to-access intuitive guide to digital procurement technology. You can filter on a multitude of different criteria and pick out a short list of procurement software solutions that are relevant to your business and your needs in less time than it takes to boil an egg. No corporate subscriptions, no complex jargon, and definitely no pay-to-play model. We are a completely transparent, open book, and we really want to get your feedback on what we can really do to make this user experience better and constantly improve so as we're providing value to you. Check out procurementsoftware.site. And now let's get right back to this week's podcast. Number eight, what type of integrations do they have with other external providers? So this one is being is becoming increasingly important in a best of breed or in a hybrid ecosystem because if they don't have all of the features that you want to have, and let's be honest, even the big suites don't do everything that a procurement professional needs, then you may want to buy additional software as a service applications, best of breed procurement tech uh, as your digital journey matures. And um, depending on what type of partnerships and agreements they have with different providers, there may be very easy sort of plug and play ecosystems that enable that almost seamless integration of other best of breed tools within that space. And I think the partnership and alliances space among best of breed procurement tech companies is really going to grow uh, over the next two or three years because, you know, they, there is a recognition now if companies are going down the best of breed route that they will 
probably in a lot of cases have to purchase two, three, maybe even five different applications to get everything that they want out of their digital journey. So ask questions of who they're partnered with or who they can integrate with easily. And does that fit with the kind of systems or kind of problems or challenges that your organization faces uh, in terms of the solutions that they have partnerships or integrations with? So number nine and number 10 may not apply to everyone, but it's going to apply especially to those that are considering working with startups or uh, or companies that are still very much uh, into, into fundraising and growing out their platform. So number nine is, is the solution provider profitable or are they completely dependent on venture capital money for their growth and for their continued development? We're clearly heading into some economic headwinds right now. So it doesn't really take genius to figure out that there's probably not going to be as much venture money sloshing around in this space in the months and years to come. And while I'm still generally very optimistic that procure tech and supply chain tech and logistics tech and legal tech, all of this ecosystem in general, I think, still has a long way to grow and a lot more startups that will come into this space simply because there is so much opportunity and it's so ripe for digitization. But what I do think is that any company that is on life support and is very, very dependent on venture money that they're just then throwing back into marketing to just grow and scale as quickly as possible may not be the best partner over the long term. If you've, I, I mean, I personally would feel much more comfortable going with a company that is posting consistent growth and is able to turn a profit rather than one that is on a breakneck journey trying to grow and scale as quickly as possible without uh, without really any significant focus or, or uh, essential or urgency about profitability. So I would really look at some of the figures in terms of how many employees they have, how much funding they have, when they were founded and how quickly they have grown to really get an impression of are they prioritizing growth over everything else or are they consistently profitable and adding new high quality reference customers that is enabling them to to, to grow organically just as quickly, uh, just as effectively uh, as if they were completely dependent on VC funding. And then number 10, which is kind of related to this, which is how valuable is your organization to them as a customer? And by this, I'm particularly referring to uh, startups that utilize AI and machine learning because those algorithms are very, very dependent on getting as much data through them as possible. So if you're sitting on a gold mine worth of data that would be a real asset to the, to the procurement technology provider in terms of aiding and improving their product, then just bear in mind that that could give you quite a lot of negotiation potential theoretically, especially if you're a large enterprise and you're working with a pretty early stage startup that really needs to get two or three big reference customers that they can put on their website, then bear in mind that you're you know, going to be a pretty big fish and are going to be very, very valuable to them. And just make sure that you leverage that as best as you can in your negotiation. So they are 10 tips or 10 key criteria that one should consider during the sourcing process for digital procurement technology, particularly best of breed procure tech. 
What do you think? Have I missed any out? Were there any that you think are more important than the others? Uh, would love to get a comment. Just drop me a message on LinkedIn if you think that I've missed any or if you think that some are more important than others as we go into what is going to be a pretty unstable time, I think, over the next few months. Thank you again for listening. It was great to have you on the journey. And uh, yeah, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast if you want to get weekly updates every time we publish a new episode. And until next week, thanks again. Bye for now and see you soon.